This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Happy Tuesday. Nailed it. It is that day of the week. Sportsnet Today is live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Logan Gordon and Peter Klein along with you. In the other room, our outstanding producers, Azam and Taylor are with us. Next three hours here on Sportsnet 960. We've got lots to get to on the program today. Blue Jays pick up a big win against the Washington Nationals. Back on track. Everything's fine. We're good. Yep. No worries. It's all good. <laughs> I'll figure it out. It's all good. Yep. Uh, we have more information today on the Professional Women's Hockey League. Stoked. Cities, draft process, free agency, all of those details coming out today. So we'll bring on our friend Haley Salvian from The Athletic a little bit later on to chat about that to the future of the PWHL. I'm really excited to hear from Haley on the details that we got today as they unveiled their first six teams and the player selection process. Uh, and apparently PK Canada's very good at basketball now. Like, yes, we, we we run the world in basketball. Uh, yeah. yeah. Move over United States. This is yep. Canada's show now. Uh, another win for Canada. Uh, making history. Finishing a top its group for the first time ever. Dominating. The Latvians, 101-75 at uh, the FIBA tournament this morning. Shy, Gilgis, Alexander. Crushing it. Just, like, he is playing out of his mind the last like 18 months of his career. He has been an absolute superstar. It's been really fun to see a, a Canadian get to to those heights. So, yeah, it's been fun to, to see them crush basketball powerhouse Latvia. And uh, NFL cuts begin uh, around the league as we get closer to next Thursday's kickoff uh, of the NFL regular season between the Chiefs and the Lions. We will uh, dive into some division previews over the next couple of days as me and PK give you all the advice on who we think are the dominant powerhouses to watch in the NFL. But uh, PK, let's start with last night. We talked about it with some doom and gloom yesterday after a bad series loss to the Cleveland Guardians. Well, the Jays got back on track last night thanks to a win over the Nationals. Pitched to Abrams. Ground ball in the middle of the diamond. Hustling to his right. Backhanded by Merrifield. Feed over to Clement at second to finish the ball game. The Toronto Blue Jays do it convincingly on the strength of a four-run second inning. A go-ahead double from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Insurance on the 16th of the season from Danny Jansen. Another solid start from Kevin Gosman. They double up the Nationals 6-3 to three and grab the opener of this series. And that, of course, Ben Wagner across the Sportsnet radio network last night. In that last point, uh, I thought probably the story of the game, Kevin Gosman mm-hmm. was outstanding last night for the Toronto Blue Jays and also with a little bit of history of his own in the win. 199 strikeouts for Kevin Gosman this season for the Blue Jays. You talk to any pitcher, they want to make 32 starts going into a season. They want to amass as many innings as humanly possible. There's a badge of honor when you can get deep, when you can pitch 200 innings. That's always a marker. 
and 200 strikeouts is right there with a number of the things that the pitchers will tell you they want to accomplish in a given year. The 1-2. And he got it. Strikeout number 200 this season for Kevin Gosman. He retires Dominic Smith. Well, a real mark of consistency for Kevin Gosman, who becomes the 10th to do it in franchise history, and the fans acknowledge him. And uh, deservingly so, Kevin Gosman, five innings, gives up seven hits, three earned runs, two walks. Not the best start of Kevin Gosman's career, but seven strikeouts, PK, and the first in the majors this season to reach the 200 strikeout plateau. Uh, you and me talked about this a bit yesterday when we were getting ready for the game. Kevin Gosman's record didn't necessarily indicate that he was having a strong season. He was just 9-8. Right. and eight. But games like last night, there's the consistency and the fact that you know this guy is going to give you anywhere from, I, I'd say, five to seven innings with a chance to win the ball game if you get some sort of offense. Yeah. That kind of, of, of penciling in has just been so invaluable to the Jays this year. If I were in the Blue Jays front office, I would every night put out that the Blue Jays offense struggles, put up Kevin Gosman's numbers <laughs> and be like, okay, so all of this shouldn't equal nine and eight or 10 and eight or whatever it is now. It's like, that is all of your fault. How dare all of you? Um, but no, he has been spectacular for the Blue Jays since being acquired. He has been everything they could have hoped for. He's been in the, the Cy Young conversation every year. He has been in Toronto and that includes this season. Like you said, the first to the 200 strikeout mark. Um, when things are going a little bit haywire, you know that every fifth day he's going to come in and just absolutely lock things down. Now, will the team win behind him? Who knows? But that's why wins are a stupid stat for pitchers. But th this is just one of the most consistent pitchers the Blue Jays have had since Roy Halladay. It, it really does have that kind of a feel where every fifth day, you know, no matter what is happening, if they just lost a heartbreaker to Cleveland, if they just won 15 to one in Tampa Bay, uh, or if whatever else is going on, you know when he is out there on the mound, you are going to have a chance to win. And that kind of consistency is something that this team has lacked in every aspect of their game, and it's really nice to have that from your number one starting pitcher. And the Blue Jays have it in Kevin Gosman. That is a thought that was echoed by John Schneider post-game, talking about his starting pitcher in Kevin Gosman. Well, he's about as valuable as we have, for one, but I think they, they laid off some tough splits early. It wasn't quite carrying the zone, and they fouled off a ton of pitches and kind of got his pitch count up. So, um, you know, the Manessa single or double down the first baseline kind of laid on the heater. He put together good at-bats, um, top of the order did. So uh, I thought it was awesome. He kind of emptied the tank there in the fifth and left it right there, 5-3. Um, but they were they were tough. They made him throw a lot of pitches. You know, I thought he had a good heater um, and, and used it well. And, you know, still, you know, 200 strikeouts before September is really damn impressive. So um, on a night when he probably wasn't his sharpest and you know we were hoping for him to go pretty deep into the game um, I thought he was um, he just made big pitches when he had to really and you know kind of understood when to throw the heater when to throw the split and you know you give them credit for laying off a bunch and, and fouling off a bunch. John Schneider on uh, Kevin Gosman post game and yeah most valuable is a term you could certainly use for a guy like Kevin Gosman you mentioned ten, ten, does 10 and 8 necessarily strike you as that no but like you said dive deeper into the numbers and and look at just how little this offense is. Even last night, they didn't really. I mean, they gave him four running, four runs in the second. They still left nine on base last night. Yeah, this could have easily been a ten-three type of game where the Jays could have thrown in Bowden Francis for three innings. And you know, I, I get they only wound up using I think what Cabrera and 
Um, I think Richards came in. Richards came in, and then Hicks came in for the save. So, I mean, you're, you're using a couple guys from the penalty more than you needed to, but still, yeah. you know, finally he's got some sort of offensive reprieve, and that's what he needs. This is a guy, I think you could, no joke, be talking about 16, 17 wins on the season with a run or two more in certain situations. He's been that good. So good on the Toronto Blue Jays. They desperately needed this win. They didn't gain any ground uh, because the teams around them also did some winning last night, PK. But uh, we talked about this yesterday. These are just games you have to win. If you want to talk about being in this situation and and somehow climbing back from that two-and-a-half game hole that you have behind Texas and Houston right now, you have to beat up teams like the Washington Nationals. 100%. And you, you especially do when you have Kevin Gosman out there. And, and I would suggest he probably has, there's 30-ish games left. So he probably has five, six starts left. Unless he goes full CC Sabathia with the Milwaukee Brewers, where September he just pitches every third day. Um, you have to win every Kevin Gosman start going forward, given how consistent he has been. But no, you're right. This is the stretch where they need to, to start making up this ground. And they started off this stretch by losing ground, by dropping two of three to Cleveland. So now, quite frankly, I don't know if winning two of three from the Nationals is enough. I, I think you have to sweep this ball club and get kind of back on track after that. But it's it's a start. And like you said, we could nitpick things offensively. I thought there were still some positive signs offensively from this team last night. Um, but certainly some nits that you could absolutely pick. But overall, that this was the type of a win that this Blue Jays team, I think, so desperately needed. It's one where they scored six runs. Their ace was pitching like an ace for most of it. And then you had a comfortable 6-3 win. It wasn't uh, 6-3, to three, and then all of a sudden, two balls get booted into the, the, the stands. And now Washington's back in it. It was just a, a nice, calm, all due respect, relatively boring game. And the way the Blue Jays have gone this year, I, I will gladly take boring wins at this point. Uh, Jays record improves to 72 and 60. They'll continue their series against the Nationals tonight with another 507 first pitch. I mean, Mackenzie Gore getting the start for Washington. He's 6 and 10 on the year with a 4.38 ERA. Jose Barrios goes for the Jays. Probably another victim of uh, a lackluster offense at times this year because he's just sporting a 9 and 9 record with a 3.55 ERA of his own. Uh, again, we'll have all the action for you here on Sports at 960. The fan. We're just going to see what the lineup looks like tonight, PK. That's the big question around this Jays team as Matt Chapman's dealing with more of that middle finger issue that's been nagging him. Yeah, uh, We saw uh, Vladdy taking some balls at third base recently. <laughs> um, I don't know how realistic that, that is on a day-to-day basis for, yeah. for him to go back to third. I think that's probably a spot that we'll see uh, David Schneider slide into for the Toronto Blue Jays, which is good news because it keeps him in the lineup. Yep. Um, but yeah, again, could be a, a couple games here where maybe you don't have Bichette and you don't have Chapman ready to go. And some of these guys are, are going to have to step up. And I think that's probably a way there's going to have to be a way where I, I think you're going to see Guerrero in the lineup. You're going to see belt in the lineup. to try to make up for some of that offense, because even if they call somebody up, the, the offensive guy has been called up. That's David Schneider. I don't know how much offense you're going to get from AAA if, you see a guy like Matt Chapman head to the IL for ten days. Yeah, um, I believe Ernie Clement was the uh, the one who who got the, um, the the call. That's that's not going to solve any offensive issues that the Blue Jays have ever had. All due respect to the the Clement household, but um, I think with Vlad taking the the reps at third base, that is one hundred percent a desperation type of a play. Like if Brandon Belt gets the the day off or whatever it is, then he comes in in a, a pinch hitting scenario. 
you want him to be able to, to play first base or whatever, Vladdy can move over to third and you can kind of keep that bat in the lineup a little bit longer or on days where you want to have Kirk and Belt in the lineup at the same time, along with Danny Jansen, who apparently is just Johnny Bench now and is just going to continue to to hit the cover off of the baseball. But no, with, with Bo Bichette battling some injuries, and like you said, with, with Matt Chapman, who was the early season MVP for this team, other players are going to have to step up. And that was a really nice thing that you saw last night. Like I said, Danny Jansen with a home run. Vlad Guerrero Jr. had a couple of hits. Davis Sanch- um, Davis Schneider sorry, um, continues to, to be phenomenal as he comes up with a, a big hit. And the type of a hit that this Blue Jays team hasn't had, it was so nice to see add-on runs from this team. A lot of times it's, hey, we're up two to one. Well, that's probably good enough. But Davis Schneider comes in, picks up a, a big hit and kind of keeps that ball rolling. Another example of why this guy needs to stay in the lineup on a, a nightly basis. So the Toronto Blue Jays uh, will look to uh, continue this winning streak. If it uh, if one counts as a winning streak, it, it does in my books. Um, <laughs> try to make it two in a row tonight against the Washington Nationals. Uh, to give us a quick recap on what we saw last night and what to look forward to tonight, uh, we've turned things over to Taylor Dingman for today's Jays report. Time now for the Jays report on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Taylor Dingman. Blue Jays bounced back from their series loss last night as they took on the Washington Nationals. The Nationals wasted no time on the scoreboard in the top of the first inning. Joey Manessas singled to center field, driving in C.J. Abrams, giving the Nationals an early one to nothing lead. But the Blue Jays quickly responded in the bottom of the second. George Springer's line drive singled to center field, brought in Danny Jansen. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. then stepped up with a powerful double to right field, bringing in both Kevin Kiermaier and Springer. Davis Schneider singled and added another run, and the Blue Jays surged ahead with a 4-1 lead. 3-2. That's hit a mile. High, deep, and long gone. Into the 200 level. Off the bat of Danny Jansen. A new career high for Danny Jansen. An absolute no-doubter for his 16th of the season. The momentum continued for the Blue Jays in the bottom of the third as Danny Jansen's impressive home run to left field marked a career high in home runs and extended their lead. The 1-2. And he got it. Strikeout number 200 this season for Kevin Gosman. Notably, Kevin Gosman reached a significant milestone in the top of the fourth, recording his 200th strikeout of the season, becoming the first AL pitcher to achieve this feat this current season. The Nationals fought back in the top of the fifth. Joey Manessas doubled to right field and brought in C.J. Abrams and Lane Thomas. In the bottom of the sixth, Kevin Kiermaier's sharp line drive single to right field drove in Danny Jansen, cementing the Jays' win 5-3. And for a preview of tonight's game, taking the mound for the Toronto Blue Jays is Jose Barrios, who holds a 9-9 record this season with an ERA of 355. On the opposing side, Mackenzie Gore will be starting will be the starting pitcher for the Washington Nationals with a record of six wins and ten losses with an ERA of 438. First pitch is scheduled for 5.07 p.m. Make sure you tune in and listen to the game right here on Sportsnet 960. Catch the Blue Jays all season long right here on Calgary's home of the Blue Jays, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Thank you, Taylor. Appreciate that. Yes, 507 first pitch right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, you can watch the game on the Sportsnet television network. Speaking of uh, former Toronto Blue Jays, PK, uh, news today out of the major leagues. Uh, it's been a terrible year for the Yankees. Uh, doesn't make me feel sad for them at all. Uh, no. But former uh, American League MVP Josh Donaldson has been released by the team after just 33 appearances 
with the team. The 37-year-old with a 207 average, 25 home runs, 77 RBIs, over 165 games since he was acquired from Minnesota in March of 2022. But played in just 33 games this season, as I mentioned. On the IL from April 5th to June 2nd because of a right hamstring issue. Back on the aisle on June, uh, July 16th, strained right calf while running out of grounder. And then four days later, put on the 60-day IL, 142 average, 15 RBIs this year. New York still responsible for $3.8 million uh, that Donaldson is owned, owed from uh, his salary uh, on that guaranteed deal he signed with Minnesota. Yeah, uh, so there's a not, uh, mu- mutual option for 24. I feel like that one's not being picked up. Just, uh, just yeah. <laughs> feel like I can go ahead and report that one now. Yeah, those are one <laughs> of those stories. Like uh, we've mutually agreed to part ways. Have they? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's that's a pretty one-sided decision because that's a nice way of putting it. But yeah, mutually agreed to part ways. Yeah. yeah. Did they, though? It doesn't feel that way. <laughs> yeah, it's been a disaster in New York for, for Josh Donaldson. Um, his for, for those stat nerds out there, his WRC Plus is 75. Um, for the, the more maybe not as aware of those stats, that means he's 25% below league average for hitters this season, mm. which is real bad. Mm. Real, real, real bad, especially for a guy making what you, you were saying he was making, probably around 20 four twenty five million dollars a season. So um yeah, just a, an absolute disaster. The whole time he was in New York, it didn't really work out. And I, I think now that this is another signal from the Yankees that they are going with a, a bit more of the youth movement going forward with this team, which is absolutely what they, they should be doing towards the, the tail end of this year, giving some of their, their kids a, a bit of a shot. But I, I think there are bigger things happening in New York. I would be stunned if Aaron Boone kept his job Beyond this season, I would imagine Brian Cashman has a little bit more leash considering the dynastic run he's had for the last 25 years with this group. But um, giant changes are needed in New York because right now you, you look at this team, it is Judge, it is Cole, and that's about it. Stanton's not doing anything. Um, it, it's crazy to, to think about back to like 2017, the, the baby Yankees where it was going to be, it oh, was going to be judge. It was going to be bird. It was going to be uh Glaber Torres. And th- those were going to be the Yankees that carried this team into the next realm. Um, I don't think Greg bird is in professional baseball. Now, um, Glaber Torres hasn't really worked out. And I mean, Aaron judge has been fine, but th- this team hasn't been back to the world series since 2009. And they really feel like they are fifth in the division right now. They feel kind of firmly planted in fifth behind Boston, Toronto, and Tampa Bay. They have a long way to go, I think, to get back to the prominence that the Yankees expect. Yeah, 63 and 68. Oh, um, it's beautiful. They're actually a winning team at home, which is weird. They're 36 and 33, probably thanks to that janky right field. But yeah. uh, 27 and 35 on the road. They've almost been as bad as the Jays have been against the division. They're 16 and 26 uh, against the AL East. Just not what you would expect from the New York Yankees, and probably a good decision to not go out and swing big at the trade deadline if you're the Yankees, because, like you said, there's just not much there with this team right now. And even even Aaron Judge has struggled in comparison. I know he he finally hit a home run last time. It was like an 0 for 17 stretch before hitting that home run. And he's uh, he's their offensive leader in every category. And you mentioned the pitching one. It, it's all Garrett Cole. So 
how you look, they've dealt with a lot of injuries. I will give them that the IL has been busy for them, but I don't know that it's changed them from maybe being around the wild card race. If they were a little bit more there, it's just, yeah. it hasn't been a, a good season for them and they're going to have to find a way to, and who knows, maybe it's the old Yankee way of, of overpaying for, for, for big names in free agency or whatever it is. It, it ain't this team. No. This team is is miles away from what you think of when you think of the New York Yankees. And yet, like, injuries have been a problem, but that's what you get when you have one of the oldest teams in baseball. Oh, for sure. P- people get hurt. You know, like, no one is yep. stunned that 34-year-old Anthony Rizzo is having some problems. Giancarlo Stanton is perpetually hurt. Aaron Judge, while he is built like a Greek god, big dude, and big dudes get hurt. Um, and so he he has been having some injury issues. You bring in a Carlos Rodon who has, while been very effective when healthy, hasn't exactly been the model of health over the, the last five years of his career. They they have kind of brought these problems on themselves. Like, no, they, they couldn't have predicted that in a, a walk year, Luis Severino would be the worst pitcher in baseball. But you, you, there are some of these things that you can predict. And you you look at that stadium, it is built so easily for even moderate left-handed hitters to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And you look at their starting lineup right now. LeMahieu, righty, Judge, righty, Torres, righty, Stanton, righty, Volpe, righty. You see where I'm going. Bader, righty, Pereira, righty, Peraza, righty, Higashioka, righty. Mm. How you don't have one lefty on this team, and I get Rizzo's hurt right now, you probably should have had more than one, than him and whatever a Ben whoever their backup catcher is. Yeah, totally not a made-up guy. Um, like you, you should have more than that for lefties in a ballpark that is suited so easily to guys who are left-handed to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Like th- this is, it is a gigantic failure. I think from the top all the way down in this Yankee uh, organization. And I, for one, love the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think anybody, um, I mean, for the most part, I know there's, there's Yankee fans everywhere, but I think anyone that at least traditionally follows the Toronto Blue Jays. Probably doesn't feel bad for them. So yeah. uh, Josh Donaldson released today. And we do have a piece of uh, Jays-related roster news that just came down as we we're uh, set to end the segment here. Uh, Boba Shett has been placed on the 10-day IL that is retroactive uh, to yesterday. And infielder Mason McCoy has been uh, added to the Major League roster and will be active tonight. So maybe not the name we were expecting. I was more <laughs> expecting Chapman to the IL than I was Bichette. But... Uh, at least right now, that's the move from the Jays today. Unfortunately, Bichette back to the uh, IL 10-day retroactive to yesterday, and uh, they will come with, uh, we'll see hopefully a lineup uh, in the next little bit, and we can get you the news as to how John Schneider is going to deploy his team uh, against the Washington Nationals in tonight's matchup. He's Peter Klein. I'm Logan Gordon. This is Sportsnet Today, and it rolls on next. We'll continue Hour 1 here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, PK, we started the hour off going over the Jays and a win over the Washington Nationals. But, as I mentioned, didn't change anything when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays in their current situation that still has them two and a half games out of a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Matt Chapman and Bo Bichette currently on the 10-day IL and a team that had much higher expectations than simply getting into the postseason when this year began. And as usual, look, there's there's around 30 games left. This is crunch time for the Jays, and it's not a guarantee they get into the playoffs. We, we 
started to dive into this a bit yesterday, and I wanted to continue it today because I, I think that we're talking about a team. And look, I'm, not, I'm before we have this conversation, I want to preface this saying, I'm not saying they're done. Right. I'm, there's absolutely two and a half games in 30, whatever is left, is more yeah. than doable for this team. Exactly. A 30, lot of teams. Exactly so, 30 games left. So I'm not writing them off. But I think we have to start to have the conversation of what happens if they don't get in. Because I Oof. think there has to be major repercussions for this. Because yeah. too long have we talked about this isn't the young Jays team anymore. You know, uh, during the COVID years that was learning how to play baseball and and be a major league pro and we're playing in Buffalo for a year because COVID's weird and yeah. and everything else. This isn't that team anymore. Bo Bichette is going to get a huge contract. Vladdy is going to get a big contract. I think there's a conversation to be had about how much you're, you're willing to commit to him after seeing it this year. But where does it start for you if this Jays team can't come back in this if they can't or even if they do make the list and i know you've said this before if it's a repeat of what it was last year and you show up in the wild card and don't get any further than that what what happens in your mind what's the fallout of that kind of season for the toronto blue jays i, I think right away the coach is probably gone um I, and i we talked about this yesterday you look at like where things have kind of improved under the the new head coach and it wasn't great under charlie montoyo for sure but um, aside from bullpen management, like we have not seen any of these players take a step up. The, the only guys who have really like elevated anything has been the veterans, right? Like Brandon Belt has come in and been Brandon Belt. Whit Merrifield has come in and been Whit Merrifield. Um, Kevin Kiermaier, same thing. Th these guys have come in and just been who they are. But in terms of like where has where has the manager made any sort of a difference? And I get in 2023, a big league manager, maybe that's not necessarily what they're, they're here for. They're kind of here to just follow along with the, the analytics department, although there isn't an analytics department in the world that would have had Kevin Vigio bunting with a uh, runner at second and nobody mm -hmm. out in the ninth inning a couple of days ago. But uh, I, I think that 100%, you have to look at the, the manager and, and he would be gone. I would say it would be about 50-50 for the GM as well. When you look at the, the rosters that have been constructed over the last couple of years to try to maximize Vlad Guerrero Jr. and, and Bo Bichette, you, you look at the deals that were made this offseason with um, Teoscar Hernandez for Eric Swanson. I, I would suggest there were bigger things to play with that one because of uh, contract situations. Swanson has been fine. That one's whatever. Um, but our show coming in for Guriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno it feels like that one has been, it, it certainly kind of served a purpose of what you were looking for to get a bit more athletic in that outfield and, and a bit more defensively savvy, but it, it felt like a wild overpay to get there. So I, I think you would definitely have to take a good long look at Atkins and see, is this the guy you want to be having to make some of these very difficult decisions now going forward? They've made some moves that are absolute home runs. Like Kevin Gosman has been, as good or better than you could have possibly imagined. Springer, for most of the contract, has been yep. everything you could have wanted. Hyunjin Ryu, even, yep. um, has been great. Like there, there have been hits, but when you look at it at the end of the day, those hits can't lead to zero playoff wins 
for a, a team that was supposed to be where the Baltimore Orioles are, right? Like what, what's happening in Baltimore is supposed to be what was happening in Toronto. Bichette, Guerrero, Gurriel, and Biggio come up and this team just hits the bejesus out of the baseball and off to World Series we go. And this team has constantly been one of the World Series favorites coming into seasons and has constantly disappointed. At some point, you have to look at who is leading this team. And I, I think it starts with, uh, with Atkins and with Schneider. The Atkins conversation is really interesting to me because you're right. He has had his fair share of hits. I would add Whit Merrifield is a yep. very, very successful one. Even some of the ones this year, the short-term ones, Brandon Belt, Kevin Kiermeyer have been very good ads for this team. Now, that being said, there's part of me that goes, yeah, but those guys shouldn't be regulars in your lineup mm-hmm. if your lineup is constructed to be a World Series contender. Like I think if if, if Kevin Kiermaier is your fourth outfielder and Belt's a guy that you DH, uh, you know, so he can really hit uh, against pitchers that he, he's successful against and give you those mature at-bats, Yeah, sure. But uh, they've been used more than that. And unfortunately, those are kind of the complementary moves you should make as a contending team, not as a team to push you to that level. And that's kind of what they've been this year. I- I'm ready for this team to uh, look, I'm with you. I think, I don't think John Schneider survives this. Yeah. I-, I think just knowing where he is in the organization, knowing how long they've known him. I, I think I'm with you that the argument for me is as simple as what have you done since you came in for the last guy? And I don't know what level John Schneider would point to. We're more serious on the bench. Right. Like yeah, we don't have a home run jacket anymore. Yeah, so. we've, we've kind of toned down the silliness. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I look, and I understand that this ball, that was something that the ball club needed to fix uh, or felt like they needed to fix in, in some way, shape, or form. But I'm with you. I, I think some of the guys that you expected, I, did, I wouldn't have expected Vladdy to take the kind of dip that he has yeah. uh, under a guy like John Schneider, who was you know praised for his work with all these young players and hasn't been able to take him to another level at, at the major league level. Uh, so I, I wouldn't mind if I would like to see this organization go out and, and, and take a real shot at a, a manager that I, I think is going to, I think a manager position as far as maybe with the exception of a, a, a football coach, probably the most impactful coach or head coaching spot in, in the big four sports. Yeah. Right. When you look at hockey, baseball, basketball, football, I, I'd say a manager, his lineup card, his, uh, you know, decisions as far as bullpen management, all that sort of stuff uh, has the most impact on a day-to-day basis of a team. And I think they absolutely need to have the right guy in there. I'm not, I'm not convinced that the John Schneider's that guy Based on, and I know, I look, has it been the longest sample size? No, but you don't have long to wait here. Right. Because already this first, this team hasn't won anything, PK. They haven't won anything of of note, and they're already at the point where they have to start shedding sh- salary for guys and aren't going to have money to bring back uh, the Matt Chapmans of the world, maybe the Whit Merrifields of the world. Yeah. And now you're expecting them to be World Series contenders again next year with presumably a younger, cheaper roster, that doesn't really add up to me. Right. No, I agree. Yeah, like th- this was this was supposed to be the time where you, you start to, to really take that step forward with guys like um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. And, and Bo Bichette, 
with the the contracts that they were on making significantly less than they would be. And now we are a couple of years away from those being absolute mega deals. And yeah, like Ryu is gone at the end of the season. Uh, you mentioned Chapman. I saw one report that he's going to be getting Marcus Simeon money. Now, that probably calms down given how his offense has really taken a dive in the, Some the back injuries part. down the second half of the year too. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he has played his way down back into the blue Jays price range, but I could see Whit Merrifield wanting one more big contract coming off of an all-star season for, for him. So yeah, like the, and, and, me on, I feel like there's a mutual option for Whit at the end of the year, but uh, if you're I'm correct, with, yes, but for if eight, I'm whoo, for $18 million. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I guess is essentially the qualifying offer. Yeah. Um, but boy, that is, $12 million more than you're paying him right now. Um, and so like part of this too is ownership. Like, is this going to be uh, a- an ownership group? And I, I understand where I'm saying this, um, that that is going to never really, this before. N- really open things up and, um, and be like, okay, yeah, let, let's go spend. Not that they haven't like that. This has been certainly a, a competitive payroll that the team has spent $213 million on, on payroll this season. So that they, they have absolutely anted up. Is there going to be a, a desire to ante up even more when, like, since 2016, they they got in in the weird COVID year, but it was all three games in Tampa Bay, and I think they got swept in that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got two playoff games against the Mariners, lost them both, but at least you got two playoff games where you got to, to make some money on tickets there. But th- this is not a team that has been bringing in playoff gate after playoff gate you're going to and rightfully so you're going to need to see some actual results for the 213 million dollars you've spent if you're going to be like yeah let's go spend 250 let's let's drop 600 or 600 million dollars in Shohei Otani you know like th- th- this is a, a team that I, I think has to justify some of the the spending that they that they have been making and that they're going to have to make well they haven't justified any of it yet that's no. I mean they haven't won a division they haven't you haven't won anything when it comes to the postseason. And I, I think the reason that so many people and the reason that we're talking about this today is because I, I don't want to say that next year scares me, but if, if this is the group that can't get it done, I just don't know how next year we're expected. And look, the offseason hasn't happened. I have no idea how Ross Atkins or whoever the potential GM that we think might be in handles it and tries to improve this team. But just based off of what we know, I just I don't think you're ever getting a performance from the five guys on the rotation that you've had again. Like to, no. to ask all five of those guys to come back next year. Yeah. And, and believe me, with the, the exception of Ryu, the, the lineup's returning. The rotation's returning. Mm-hmm. You're essentially going to hope that Alec Manoa has, you know, ridden, ridden whatever voodoo curse has come over him. And has has come back to to major league status. Yeah, and you know how do you ask those guys to be as good as they were this year, if not better? Well, because how, well, with the exception of you, how do you ask them to stay this healthy? They, they, they have not can't. had they have not had one injury to the starting rotation this year. That the only issue they've had in the starting rotation is Alec Manoa, who just sucks now. Apparently, like that they they have had zero adversity when it comes to the pitching staff aside from one of their guys isn't good which leads to a bigger thing about how this team develops pitchers because have like Kevin Gosman free agent Jose Barrios trade Chris Bassett free agent Kianjin Ryu free agent Yusei Kikuchi free agent I know I'm listing off a lot of baseball players today, no but, no I get it. um but you see what I mean like 
the Nate Pearson was supposed to be the answer, and he's been a real good sixth inning bullpen guy, but that's not what they thought he was going to be. Ricky Tiedemann was kind of supposed to be making an impact um, at, at least toward this part, and he's still in double A. That there isn't uh, this pipeline that, that's been built to to help get this team to uh, another level. And so that's why I look at the, the Ross Atkinses of the, the world as well. But no, like for, like you said, like th- this pitching staff has kind of given you best case scenario from everybody, they are an injury away right now from Mitch White pitching in important games, and that is nowhere near where you want to be right Please now. Please don't say that ever again. A- am I wrong? No, you're not. But it's terrifying. It is. Uh, some text at 960-960. The fan feedback line is always open to you here on Sportsnet today. Chime in on whatever we're talking about uh, whenever you feel like if you're listening live. Uh, this one says, Kevin K, fourth outfielder. What are you talking about? You want Springer back in center? KK, good nine-hole hitter and good defender. I'm not saying – I think what I was said, what I said got misconstrued to that texture because I wasn't saying that I haven't been happy with Kevin Kiermeyer. Yeah. Kevin Kiermeyer absolutely has been everything and more that this team has needed. And believe me, I was a guy that, as, as you know, PK has watched plenty of Toronto Blue Jays baseball over the years and has seen that guy – terrorized the Blue Jays for the last 15 seasons or whatever it's been. Yeah, He's been fantastic. But at this point in your career, if you're a major league uh, World Series contender, I should say, I don't think he's in the outfield every night or nearly as often as he has been for the Toronto Blue Jays. He's a nice thing to have. He's not a nice thing to need. And the Blue Jays have needed him all season long. And that's what I mean. And that's what I mean. I'm not trying – I'm not dogging on on Kevin Kiermaier at all. I just think at this point in his career – if he was your fourth outfield option, and he came in every couple of days yeah. during the week to, to spell off a guy. I, I certainly think the move to, to George Springer back in right field is way better on his body. I think defensively, he's fine there. I'm more than okay with everything else Kevin's brought. I just think put him in most major league outfields right now that are you know contending. I don't know that he's in the lineup as often as he is with the Jays. They've just been, they've used him more than I thought they'd need to. Yes, no, I I would agree with that. Like he has been excellent, and as an everyday center fielder, that there are no complaints. But I I thought when he was coming in, be like, okay, this is your fourth outfielder who is a, a lefty can come in, face some righties if you need defensive replacement, pinch run, all these things. Um, and he has kind of meet hit met his goal of being the the top. Uh, number nine hitter in Major League Baseball this season. But yeah, like to your point, the the outfield in, in Baltimore, I, I think he'd probably be the, the number four guy right yeah. now too. So like, uh, again, nothing again. He has been perfect. He's been excellent. He's been everything you would have wanted. But it, it's just, it's it's not great that the Blue Jays have needed that all season long. It's been great they've had it, but they've needed it. And that's that, that's a bit of a thing. Uh, this text says, bring Gibby back. He's doing his podcast. I don't know if he's got time to come back. Yeah, he's making that podcast money. You rolling it out there. Uh, this one says, does Schneider hire the hitting coaches? The Jays' defense has been and is the best in the MLB this year. They just can't hit a beach ball. A lot of talk about um, the hitting coach yeah. in Toronto right now. And I'm always – look, I don't want to say that I'm always defensive of coaches in this, but I mean – Look, the, the the fact of the matter is, is you can put the best strategy out on paper. Yeah. If it's not executed, it doesn't matter what the coach says. Right. He's not the actual one out there hitting. So I'll only put so much blame on someone like a hitting coach. Yeah. But do I think it's part of the problem? 
Probably. Also, I don't think Schneider is the one who's made their defense the best in the league. Well, given the, the new shift rules, it's kind of taken a lot of the defense out of the coach's hands. And um, I would look like an amazing defensive coach if I had Matt Chapman and Kevin Kiermeyer and George Springer and Dalton Varsho um, out in, in my outfield every day. I, I'd, I feel pretty confident. I'd look like a real smart coach with that. Uh, Derek and Red Deer text in says, I think for you, Chapman, Belt, and Ross Atkins are all gone. Very replaceable players, in my opinion. And Atkins hasn't done anything special whatsoever since he's come in. Yeah, I think Belt will be, if he comes back, that'll be awesome. He, he's been great, like you, like we've talked about. Um, but I, I think he will be veteran power hitting left-hander X. You know, like yeah. wh- whoever whoever can fill that role for 10 to $12 million next season is, is going to be that guy. If Belt wants any kind of a, a significant raise or extra term on a contract, I, I would be moving far away from that. So I... I don't know if I would call Chapman um, replacement level because of how elite he is as a defender, but I, I think you can also piece together something relatively similar to. Uh, and then this text is always the, the beauty of live radio. Why are we having this conversation now? There's still another month to play. Totally premature. I, I <laughs> did start off the conversation. Maybe you weren't here a little bit ago. Um, that This is a, an early conversation. And in 30 games, they absolutely can find their way back in a playoff spot. Yeah. But don't make any bones about it. If this team now two and a half games back from a playoff spot doesn't even make the postseason, there has to be major changes. We're in the last, what I don't even, I'm not good at fractions. Last, what, one eighth of the season, seventh of the season? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. And they're not in a playoff spot. Fangraphs right now has their odds of making the playoffs at 49.5%. So essentially a coin flip to, to get into the playoffs. And while like it, it may sound like we are talking in absolutes, um, this is, I, I think, important to kind of set the stakes for the final 30 games. This team either makes the playoffs or uh, I think is going to... The, 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 Even the if arena. they make the playoffs, if yeah. they make it in the wild card and they get their ass kicked again, it's probably the same conversation. Right, yeah, you go into Minnesota and get swept in the first round of the playoffs, then we're, we're having this conversation. You haven't changed anything. You've, no, I Maybe agree. the optics look somewhat better to some because you can say they pushed back in the last 30 games and found their way into the postseason spot, but I don't know, isn't everybody that watches this team and observes this team sick of talking about the what-ifs of this group and yeah. is ready for some sort of tangible result because I think most people are no I I certainly am um I I have found these last few years like the the team itself is quite fun but the 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 actual execution and out on the field stuff to be very very frustrating um but I I do think that's kind of an interesting thing we've been talking that this whole segment about what this team like what could happen if this team misses what in your mind I guess would be the benchmark to have this conversation be null and void. Is it win a game in the wild card? Do they have to be playing in the LDS? Is it enough to just be playing in the LDS? Do they have to make their way to the league championship series? What in your mind kind of cuts this conversation off and, and leads to a, a bigger one or a different one, I guess? It's, it, I don't know. It's hard right now because I feel like the bar has changed from from what we know this team is, hundred and. 20 games into the season compared to where it was at the beginning of the year. You know, that bar is, is, is rising and, and lowering as the season goes on. But I, I still think I look at the talent on this team. I look at how good their pitching staff is. And I don't know that you're going to get that again. I mean, at a minimum, I, I need you to be competitive in an ALDS. Yeah, I think that's fair. 
Like, wild card round, you need to get out of. I don't care who you're playing. You need to get out of the wild card round. Yeah. And yeah, you, you need to, whether it's Seattle or Baltimore, it'd probably be Baltimore. Yeah. You need to, yeah, you, you, that, win a game in the, the American League Division Series. Yeah, I want you to put a, at least a, a thought of doubt at a Man. minimum. And even that sucks because that's God. nothing. And just thinking about thinking about if we said that in April, it's like, you know what? We're going to be really happy if they can push the Orioles to four games. Like, are you kidding me? No, well, that, that this, shouldn't have been well, an acceptable answer at all. Well, in this Texas, this conversation is awfully similar to this time of the Flames last year. Well, it's the same thing that we've talked about with the Flames and all the major changes they've made. And everyone's, oh, they made it to the second round and Goudreau and Kachuk did all this. They won one game in the second round. Yeah. That's not even halfway to a Stanley Cup. Right. And we're sitting here talking about, wow, that's that's where the bar is right now? <laughs> and now you and me are sitting here going, man, if the Jays can just win one against Baltimore in the divisional series, God, wouldn't that feel good? Yeah. That's nothing. No. It's nothing, people. They've spent $200 million. It's nothing. Yeah. We're just we're begging for any sort of positive nugget here, but in the reality, it's just nothing. Yeah. Do you think the 93 Blue Jays would care about winning one game in the ALDS? No. <laughs> They'd be failures. They'd be losers. Yeah. To be fair, they would be asking, what is that? Because there was only in the League Championship Series. Then. I get but, it, but, but I, yeah, you yeah. get what I'm saying. Right. If they, if they had been the Brewers, like, oh, man, we pushed this team right to the end. Like, no, that's not good enough. Yeah, and, and we, that's, we tied that Series 1-1, baby. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we were able to get a split in Baltimore. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks. Really... I'm glad we stuck around for 162 and pulled our hair out for five months during the summer. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jays Nationals <laughs> on your radio tonight. So anyway, tune in. Yeah, don't uh, you don't want to miss it because God knows what's going to happen one yeah. way or the other with this team. Uh, 507 first pitch. Brios on the mound. He's 9-9. Nine and nine. Uh, You can also watch this one across the Sportsnet television network as the Jays uh, continue their series against the Washington Nationals, who hold a 61-71 and 71 record on the season. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll kick off our two little football conversation coming your way. There were high hopes for Nathan Rourke in Jacksonville, Ugh. and despite what we thought was the performance of the preseason, it apparently wasn't good enough to get him a roster spot with the Jacksonville Jaguars as of yet. Uh, we'll talk about that and some more cuts for the Raleigh NFL on this Tuesday. It's Logan Gordon and Peter Klein here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.